everyone. My name is Aldo Gandia. I am the president and founder of the Barroom Network. You know, nine years ago when I started this venture, one of my goals was to give a voice to uh, people who have not had a voice in the world of writing and producing and podcasting. Uh, give them a voice so that they could express their opinions and their thoughts about their favorite teams, especially the Chicago Bears, one of my biggest passions. And so here we are nine years later, and we are again back at it. Tonight, I present to you a new podcast hosted by Jeff and Tim Willis. They're twin brothers, and but they don't have identical viewpoints on things related to the Chicago Bears. This should be fun. Let's get started. Four-man rush again. Fields to the end zone. More touchdown. With time, throws it short. Foreman with the catch. Foreman to the end zone for the touchdown. Warriors' long pass of the day is 15 yards, and it's intercepted, picked off by Jalen Johnson. Johnson, untouched for the touchdown. Welcome in, Bears fans, to the debut episode of the Willis Twin Towers podcast. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Jeff Willis. This is my co-host, Tim. You want to introduce yourself real quick, Tim? Yeah, I'm Tim Willis. Uh, like you said, we're identical twin brothers, and hey, we're just ready to talk Bears with all you guys tonight. So I just, I just want to start off this episode by saying real quick, we're very appreciative of all you guys being here. Um, and we are going to start off by saying there is not a quarterback controversy in Chicago. Can we just start off by saying that right off the bat right now? There is no quarterback controversy as of this moment. So we'll start by saying that and we'll kind of get into stuff here a little bit. Um, I'll talk about myself some and then Tim will kind of talk about himself a little bit so you guys can get to know us a bit. Um, we we're both originally born and raised in the South Bend, Indiana area about 15 minutes from Notre Dame is where we grew up. Uh, huge Notre Dame football fans all our lives, huge Bears fans. Um, actually growing up initially, when, when we were really young, the Bears weren't very good. So as you can imagine, we, we took on some other teams we liked also, but we've always been avid Bears fans all our lives. Um, also, uh, we, we are big baseball fans. I'm a big White Sox fan. Tim is a, is a Reds fan. I'll let him kind of divulge on that a little bit if he wants to. Um, and also we just, you know, we're just big sports fans in general. Um, we've always kind of grown up playing ball all our lives as kids. Uh, we, we were playing backyard baseball, backyard football with our friends and our neighbor and our neighbors when we were kids growing up, you know, and, uh, we wrestled in high school. So we just really were always fans and, and big athletes growing up. And, you know, stuff like this has always been important to us and something we were passionate about. So it really means a lot to us to have this opportunity here. And it means a lot to us that you guys are here listening to us. So uh, thanks, Joe. I see your message there. Congrats on the show. It means a lot to, that you're here listening to us. And um, I'll let Tim kind of say a little bit about himself before we get into the Bears some. So, yeah, just to add into what Jeff was saying. Yeah, we grew up in South Bend. Um, we bleed blue and gold in, in our family. Um, 
you know, like you said, we I, we weren't always Bears fans early on because, well, the Bears weren't very good. And um, we weren't far removed from Joe Montana playing at Notre Dame. We were born in 89. Joe was in his uh, early 70s. So we had a lot of um, coercion, you could say, uh, with Joe Montana. And, and so I grew up a big 49ers fan early on when I was probably, you know, up till about six, seven years old, eight years old until the bears finally got a hold of me but uh just to touch up on what jeff was saying uh yeah i'm not a chicago fan for baseball never have been um i'm actually a reds fan which honestly the only reason that i am a reds fan is because when i was younger my favorite color has always been red and so i watched them playing the cubs one day on tv and i was like hey i really like this team and it stuck i've been a reds fan ever since um and then ken griffey jr came on to the reds and I was hooked because that was my favorite player growing up. But uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit about that. And um, Jeff and I actually live completely across the country from each other. Jeff lives out in Arroyo Grande, California, and I live over here in Terre Haute, Indiana, about uh, three hours southeast of Chicago. So, uh, yeah, and we're it's kind of cool that we can actually see each other, even though we don't see each other, even if it's just on this show and this podcast. But we talk daily and, and, you know, it's, it's always Chicago bears chit chat back and forth. And it, I tell you this, this to me is just going to be just like he and I on the phone every day, the way we go back and forth. And, and I owe a lot to my knowledge of the bears because of our back and forth conversations. And we don't always see eye to eye. And that's what makes it really special and really cool is that we can be brothers and still have a difference of opinion, especially from the bears. So it's awesome. Yeah, Joe, that's awesome. You're from St. Joe. We've spent some time in St. Joe, Michigan. I like St. Joe, Michigan. It's a great area up there. Some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually lived in Niles for a little bit, Joe, interestingly enough. It wasn't for very long, but about a year or so. Um, so, yeah, I was just going to say, Tim brought up a good point, you know, and I appreciate him saying that, that he dedicates some of his knowledge base to me and, you know, I, I honestly have to say the same thing. When Aldo and I first talked about this opportunity to, to have this show, I, I mentioned to him that I, I dedicate a lot of my knowledge base to a lot of the conversations and talks that Tim and I have had about the Bears, you know, over the years, just because, you know, we both are so passionate about our team. And it just, it means a lot to us to see them finally starting to turn a corner. And I really honestly, <laughs> I think we can all say after the first few weeks, we were getting a little, a little concerned that that was going to be the case, but really, I think they are starting to finally turn a corner now a little bit and especially defensively, that defense is really starting to come together. And I think the offense is getting there. It's, it's still a little inconsistent, but we're getting some things together there. Um, there are some points that I want to dig into later on. Like Tevin Jenkins is a big one. Um, you guys are going to find on this show, we are big, big, big Tevin Jenkins fans. And you're going to find this is probably the Tevin Jenkins fan club here watching this show. So uh, we're big fans of his, and we really believe he transforms the line. And um, I think you, a lot of the fans that watch the Bears probably find the same thing. Um, but I, I do want to say, um, you know, as, as far as as far as what I the direction I feel like the team is going, we are we are starting to trend in, in a good direction. I think um, there was some question about the coaching staff. I feel like early on. But I do think um, I think that they're starting to turn a corner, like I said, and I feel like we're, we're starting to get on the right track here. There are some inconsistencies, especially offensively. But as I mentioned recently, I do like the, the direction that the defense is going, especially. 
Well, before I actually comment on that, I wanted to uh, have a shout out here. I see Alexis is on watching. Alexis is actually coming on as a guest here in a few weeks. So you guys are going to get to hear a little bit from her. Awesome football voice, awesome mind. It's it's awesome to have someone like that um, that we can bring in and, and banter back and forth with football. Alexis has some really great viewpoints. I share a lot of the same viewpoints as her. So shout out to Alexis. Also, if you're watching this video, please like and subscribe to the Barroom Network. Like this video, subscribe to the Barroom Network. That helps us get the word out, and it also helps um, send, you know, it gives you more related content to what you're watching here. So please do that. Um, and, yeah, to get along with what Jeff was saying, I do like where the defense is going right now. It's been pretty evident since Eberflus took over calling plays that he's going to be much more aggressive with the blitz. Um, he's bringing five and six guys much more often than we saw with Alan Williams. Um, and I, I think we have to with where we're at right now. This this front four um, has still struggled to get pressure. Yannick Ngakwe was a big free agent signing, and we haven't seen a whole lot out of him yet. Um, I think he's got one sack right now, maybe one and a half. Um, so, you know, that's a big $10 million contract for one season that hasn't really panned out yet. Demarcus Walker also on the low end of that, uh, Justin Jones finally got his first sack last week. So things are starting to come together a little bit, but I think having, bringing more pressure and bringing a blitz is also going to help that defensive line a little bit, start getting their feet wet. But yeah, I, I like what we're seeing. Um, the one thing I wish we'd see more of is Eddie Jackson on the field. I, I'd love to see him get back out there and because when he's healthy and he's playing, he's he's so dynamic out there. I love seeing Jalen Johnson getting the turnovers. Uh, if he wants to help out his payday, that's how you do it right there, because that was the one thing that was missing from him getting that top corner money. Um, and yeah, Tyreek Stevenson looked really good last week. He mirrored Devontae a few times, and it looked really, really good. So, you know, once he gets rid of some of those penalties, um, I, really, I really like where he's going. And Honestly, I really like where Ryan Poles has gone. His last few draft picks, I was I was kind of hesitant on Jervon Dexter at first and and on Stevenson because I, I just didn't know a whole lot about them and I, I didn't see a whole lot of tape on them. But I'm really impressed so far from what we're seeing. And, and I think Braxton Jones, or excuse me, not Braxton Jones, Darnell Wright is going to be like a perennial pro bowler. Like this kid is something nasty. He just he, – so good already as a rookie and i can't wait to see his career unfold and how he can anchor that right side of the line down well let me jump on that real quick before i get back to the defense and because i do want to make a couple points about that also uh as far as darnell right you know I, I don't know if you remember me telling you this on draft night uh on the thursday night of draft night before the first round i think we both kind of had a feeling that right might be the direction they would go um, mm -hmm. neither one of us were, were entirely sure but I think we both kind of had a good idea that that might be the route they would go. And I remember telling you, I'm pretty sure I told you that night that I had a feeling that the bears would end, just this gut feeling that the bears were going to end up drafting the player who would be the best player in the entire draft that night. Now they, that may or may not come to fruition or not, but I can tell you one thing. He is awfully, awfully impressive. And the fact that he was basically playing with one arm on Sunday, you know, that was just, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, especially against, who he was going up against, you know, it was very, very impressive. And he was, do like I said, he was doing it with one arm and he is going to play this week. So that's, that's what they have now said uh, as far as the injury report. So he is going to play again this week. 
and uh, I am looking forward to seeing him on Sunday night against the Chargers. But yeah. uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was say, do you remember draft night? I, I remember telling you a couple of weeks before. I was like, man, Jeff, I really like this Darnell Wright kid, and you were pretty, you were pretty hard pressed on um, who's that tackle I'm thinking of, the six eight um, lanky kid. Who am I talking? You know who I'm talking about. Um, you were really pulling hard for him. Huh? I, I liked Van Ness a lot before the draft. Well, I'm talking offensive lineman. There was there was a tackle that you were really you were really high on, and I was I just kept telling you about Darnell Wright. I was like, man, there's just something about this kid. I really like him, and he. He shut down Will Anderson, uh, just completely took him out of the game. And you were like, I just don't know if they're going to oh, go it was, there. It was Roderick Jones. Yes, it was yes. Jones. Roderick Jones, yes. And I remember having that conversation. You're like, well, if they take a tackle, it's got, it's got to be Broderick Jones. And I remember having a conversation with you. And and over the next few days, you really started to, like, fall in line with what I was saying with Darnell Wright. I'm just like, you know, this kid is just – he's going to be the top tackle in the draft. And I remember sitting there watching the draft, and it was it was getting late, and my kids were already in bed. And I remember uh, my three year old was asleep, and I was on the phone with Jeff, and we're wa we're watching the draft, and I hear Darnell Wright's name, and I start screaming. I'm like, "Yes, I called it! I'm so excited! I'm so happy!" And I woke my kids up, so uh, my wife was mad at me that night. But it was pretty awesome to see that uh, the the guy that I wanted was the guy that they took. And you know, before I before I hand it back over to you, Jeff, I, I want to mention. Everybody, even now, we still hear people talking about Jalen Carter. And before we really talk too much about that, I just want to say, Darnell Wright and Jalen Carter, to me, are, at this point in the season, they're pretty equal as far as the production that they've gotten and the upside that we're seeing. And I just want to point out the fact that Darnell Wright has impeccable character. He, the guy was doing wide receiver drills in training camp. Of course, it was by mistake, but this this guy is work, looking for the extra work. And when he had his workout with Poles, uh, they just had great rave reviews about him. And the same couldn't be said about Jalen Carter. He showed up to his pro day overweight after he had to leave the combine. It just it just there were so many things that were huge red flags about that character. And the Chicago Bears locker room, as of now, or even in in OTAs and training camp was not ready for a guy like that to come in. We didn't have the leadership and the, and the ability and talent wise across the board to bring in a guy like Carter into that locker room. Now Philly's got Fletcher Cox on the defensive line, who is a, a perennial all pro and he's going to go down as one of the greatest probably ever to play that position. But it's, they have so many leaders on that team and that team is already set up for success. They've already been to a Super Bowl. Like that was the perfect fit for him. And I'm not sure that he could have gone many other places outside of them and maybe Kansas City, Detroit, possibly that he could have had that same impact early and not been a locker room problem. Well, I do just want to expound you on that point real quick, but I do still want to get back to the defense. I, I, I do want to talk about that. Some. I still want to get back to that, but to expound on your point, um, I, I do agree with with the Carter with the Carter point. Um, I don't know that you can say that that their production has been relatively equal. Carter's been awfully, awfully impressive on that defensive line. But that being said, I mean Wright's been impressive too. I'm not sure if he's on that level, but you know, to, again, to expound on your point, they just got rid of Claypool. They traded the second round pick, which ended up being 32 overall, and they got a pick swap for a six a six for a seven for him. You know, that doesn't look great. And, it, and it's really just because we wanted to get rid of him. So, 
and and that was more or less i mean a lot of it was production but a lot of it's also i feel like a character thing he obviously wasn't fitting in what they were trying to do there and now if you bring in a guy like carter who may or may not fit that mold and you may or may not get his potential really does that do you any good whereas if you get right who you know you will probably get his full potential because of his character it's or it's more likely i should say that you'll get his his full potential because of his character that's a better route to go, especially because of his talent and all those things combined. And the fact he held up against great competition, in the SEC, like Will Anderson, who he stonewalled, who Anderson, by the way, said was the best tackle he faced all season last year. So, you know, those things all add up. But, you know, and that's kind of the to just kind of go off of what you were saying there about right. And I do really love the kid. I think he is a cornerstone piece for a long time. Uh, I do want to mention something about one of the comments that was up on the screen a few minutes ago. I believe it was Luke said, uh, I mentioned a bunch of the guys who were all studs. And I agree with every single one of those guys that you mentioned. They're all ascending players. Um, Gordon, after his broken hand, we haven't seen much from him yet. But I, I think once he starts to get kind of acclimated again from his injury, we'll see him start to be doing what he was at the start of the season again. Um, but, you know, again, as, as far as like the other guys there, they're all they're all starting to show a lot. You know, they're all showing a lot. So as, as far as as far as future pieces for this defense, they're all looking pretty good. Uh, one guy I want to talk about a little bit is Dexter. Um, I feel like he was maybe a little slow to get started, but the last couple of weeks, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention. Last week, he was really, really good. And he's been so good lately that he's been the best rookie interior pass rusher in the league as far as the metrics are concerned. I think he's got nine pressures, which is tied for first. You know, he starts converting some of those into sacks. I mean, you're talking about that potentially dominant three technique that this defense needs to really get going. It's that engine. If we can get Dexter going, because let's be honest, we have not seen enough from Justin Jones. You see the occasional the occasional blown up run play. That's a, I mean, really, that's about it. We don't see much from the pass rush game. I like the guy. I think he's a good guy for the defense as far as like a character piece and a good leader and all that. But like, as far as production on the field, we just don't see enough. And we need to see more of those reps going towards Dexter at the three technique. So we can see him improve some more and you know, potentially become that dominant piece for the future. I really like what we're seeing out of him. Uh, you got any thoughts on him you want to mention before I get going on a couple other guys? No, I think you you said it. Um, I, I really – and I, like I told you – you know, shortly after the draft, I wasn't real sure about him. And then they, they went back and forth with him and Pickens at the one technique and the three technique while they were trying to figure out where they were best fits. But I saw him, I went to the Bears Colts preseason game in Indianapolis and I was standing at the edge with my son. He was trying to get some autographs. Jalen Johnson did sign his gloves for him. And we were standing there and I was looking out and I looked at Jervon Dexter and I thought, this is a massive human being. This is a big man with those traits that the speed he's got this guy could be dominant if he can really figure out how to play in this scheme and what we've seen is yes he is developing into that guy and it just goes to show like ryan poles does see this stuff when he's evaluating talent it's you know he was playing in a, in a read and react mirror defense in florida and you know it's a totally different scheme here but he found those traits that can translate and how smart of a player he is and it's it's working out right now you're really starting to see that development come through and yes 
for this defense to have the success that we keep talking about, they've got to have that dominant three technique. They've got to have the Tommy Harris. They've got to have an Aaron Donald. They've got to have a guy at three technique that is just dominant. And Dexter is really starting to look that part. Well, I mean, he's starting to look the part of a guy who can be that. Yes. I mean, he's, he's showing a lot in the push. I mean, he's, he's taking on double teams sometimes and, he just look, he does look like a different player than he did at Florida in the way he moves in my opinion the way he's getting off the ball he's really getting after it now and the you know to me the way I'm seeing him go and again it's like like you put like you mentioned he's so big and it's like the kid is only what 22 he's still young he's still growing he's only going to get better he's only going to get bigger and stronger and he's only going to get more and more used to the game he's playing especially at the NFL level you know, defensive linemen are notoriously slow to come along. So, you know, I would imagine that he is going to start to really come along pretty quick here towards the end of this season. And I really want to see how he develops going into next year, because if he can start to really show more, may or may not need to address that position more in the earlier rounds of the draft next year, which as of right now, it's looking like defensive line is still going to be a big need, especially on the edge. Uh, it's, it's, and you have some other positions where it's it's also possible too, especially depending on what happens with Jalen here. Uh, I really think they should extend him. They need to extend him. Um, I'll get on that point in a little bit too, as far as like what I believe the the parameters can be for that, or or some of the statements he's made about it also. Um, but getting back to like the the defensive front, they they are in need of some more of that penetration. That's still the one weakness, the one lack that I see in the last few weeks that they're still not getting enough of is enough pressure. They're getting more, I'm sorry, they're, they're getting more pressure, but they're not getting sacks and they need to be getting those sacks in order to really start to cause more disruption and, and to really start to force more three and outs and really get off the field more on third down, make your job easier on your defensive backs. But one thing I'll say about Flus that I like he's been doing lately is, you know, the first several weeks of the year, you saw a lot of that insistence on zone coverage, which is what they that this defense is, that Tampa 2. It's the way they play, you know, that, you know, cover 2, cover 3. But, you know, what they've been doing lately is playing to their player strengths, which you've got a bunch of DBs who are really good and press man, and they've been playing a lot more man coverage lately, and it's been successful. You know, they're getting more they're getting more pressure more quickly because that those press openings aren't there as, as, as early as they would be in that zone coverage where you're playing 10 yards off the receiver, you know? So to me, I like that direction. I like what they're doing there with that. And I like how it's starting to be more of an aggressive defense and they are making more of their opportunities. They're getting off the field on third down more than they were earlier in the season. And it's, it's still not there yet. We need to see more sacks and I'm hoping we do, but I think Dexter is going to be a big part of that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and I, I hope that as this season continues on, we start getting more pressure because like you said, that's just helping out the secondary. And you know, maybe that's why that's a lot of why maybe um, Jalen wasn't necessarily getting the turnovers because uh, he, he's, he's a, like you said, he, press man is a strength of his. And it's kind of hard to get interceptions and, and takeaways when the ball's not thrown your way. And that's, you know, that's, it's an indictment on him, but at the same time, that's a great thing. Like that's, that means he's doing his job and playing his position, but in this scheme, that's almost an indictment because that's what they're looking for is those takeaways and the turnovers. But I think they're starting to see a little bit uh, 
the growth in this defense now and, and it's starting to mesh and you're starting to see the things that you were looking for. The really, like you said, the big thing that's missing is just getting, it's not even just getting consistent pressure. It's getting home. And that's, that's something that they've been struggling for for a few years now. And hopefully they can start really working into that. But if, if you're done talking about defense, there's something I want to go into really quick. Yeah, we, we probably should move on to something else because I do eventually want to get into some of the other topics, especially, you know, with the whole non-quarterback controversy we, we mentioned at the top of the hour here. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, go ahead, whatever you wanted to get into. Let's walk into that because I, I've been reading the chats and it's you're, I'm seeing a lot of the – It's we're starting to get into that quarterback controversy. And Alexis made me laugh just now because uh, I can't remember who the commenter was, but they said something – of the effect of him getting traded. There it is right here. Um, Justin is trade bait. But here's the thing. What value are you going to get out of him if you trade him at the deadline right now? Right now. Third third round, second at the most, at the most right now. Um, for The trade deadline isn't really a, a very, it's not where you're, you're not going to see a whole lot of moves at the deadline. You're not going to see a lot of activity. You're not going to get a lot of value there. Um, and Alexis made me laugh because she said there's zero value because they're not going to trade him. And it's a hundred percent. Exactly. He, he's not going to be traded. And, and one, he, more, here, one more point to that too, real quick. Okay. It's like the deadline is coming up in what, less than a week, guys. Badgen has had one start. He's about to have his second start. Are we really going to tie our season to Badgen after two starts, move completely on from field and say, well, let's take our chances with another quarterback, and then we're going to have another two, three years before we're finally rolling again. Do you guys want to wait several more years before that, number one? And number two, do we really not believe in fields that much? I mean, we, he's shown a lot. Is he inconsistent? Sure, of course he is. Has he, has he, has he been inconsistent as far as like the intermediate passing game, the, the nuances of the passing game? getting through his progressions and his footwork and all those things. Sure. What have we not seen from Badgett though, so far in the game and a half that he's played that we saw from field on a consistent basis? Deep throws downfield. Accurate downfield, accurate, accurate downfield passes. Okay. I don't think they threw the ball down the field one time with Badgett in this last game. Not one his time. Deep, I think his deepest air, deepest ball in the air was 18 yards. That was his deepest throw. Great deadline is on Tuesday. Halloween. So yeah, he's going to have two starts under his belt by the time the trade deadline rolls around. Okay. It would be absolute malpractice to tie your season to badging and say, well, we'll just go into the draft, move on from fields, get, like you said, at most a second round pick and then say, you know, we're going to move on from this guy, see if, you know, we can move to make something happen with a new draft pick and then potentially watch fields turn his career around and become a great player with another team. And I don't even want to say he's turned his career around because he's already had a lot of success. He just hasn't shown a lot of consistent, nuanced quarterback play, quote-unquote, I guess you could say. But he does a lot of the things that Badgett, for instance, has not been able to do. Whereas I will also say Badgett has done some things where it's like, you know, there are areas where Fields does struggle. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He has a quick release. He sees things process very quickly he's not afraid to dump the ball off and just make it happen right away like for instance i really think he works really well for like those perimeter pass plays those smoke screens and stuff where he's able to get that ball out to the outside shoulder and he gets his release out so quick and so fast as soon as the ball is snapped to where he's you know guys like Moore and, uh, and other guys on the outside 
can get outside the numbers and get down the sideline and pick up four or five, six yard chunk plays where with fields, that doesn't always happen. He might throw the ball to the inside shoulder and then the guy's catching back here like this. And then he's backtracking the ball and maybe running for two or three yards, maybe on that pickup. So those kinds of things are, they do make a difference. And it is somewhere where, you know, Bajan or Bajan, I'm sorry, has shown an area where he's pretty good at and Fields has shown a little bit of struggle there. But again, I'm going to go back to the same thing I keep going to where it's like the things that Fields has shown an ability to do are things that very, very, very few human beings can do. He is not a running back. He clearly can throw the football. He's shown an ability to throw the football and he can go through progressions. He's shown the ability to do that too. Look no further than going back to the Washington game and the game before that. He had two games in a row with over 300 yards and four touchdown passes. That's growth. Did he did he kind of take a step back in the next game? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's not better or he's not growing. It, it just means that there's more work to do, in my personal opinion. The kid has shown a lot. He's shown a lot, a lot. It, again, he's just he's just inconsistent. But you can use that. You can work with that. And anybody who has watched him play and anybody who's coached him and, and has talked about him has said that, you know, he's got that, he's got that ability and he's got that desire and that drive to be great. And he wants to be the best. So I, I, I really think he needs to be given that chance. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. <clears throat> so and thank you Dorian, for that comment about hitting the like yes, button. Thank you. He always has good comments on the other shows. I, I want to give a shout out to him for that. Yes. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. First, when what are the what are the what stands out to you up front immediately in the Denver game and the Washington game compared to the other games that he started this year, the other five starts, or excuse me, the other four starts? What have you seen in those two games versus the other games? Go ahead. Is that a rhetorical question? No, I'm asking you. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's obviously a difference it's in the offensive line play. I mean, Tevin Jenkins has been there. You, you didn't say the thing I was hoping you point out. It was it was game script. It was how the game was called. It was the play calling in general. The thing that we saw in the Washington game and the Denver game was they played more to Justin's strengths. And Yes, at some point, he has to develop some of those other things that are not strengths right now. However, you can't throw them out there and say, okay, we're only going to run things that you're not good at until you develop into those things and you develop strengths out of those things. It doesn't work like that. There's nothing in life that you go do that you can go out there and only work on the thing that you're struggling with without any way of trying to improve by helping you by working on things that do work for you, things you are good at. There's, it's just not something that's going to happen. You can't expect somebody to go out there and do something that they're not good at without giving them something to build their confidence, to have strengths to build their confidence. So that was, the, that was what was mainly missing for me in those other games this year. And we saw in the games last year where they would – play to his strengths a little bit and look what happened. He would build that confidence. And he started letting it rip. If you go back to the Steelers game as rookie year, when he started letting it rip, we, we, we were starting to see what this kid could really be. Watch the Ohio State film. Now we're talking college, the NFL, two totally different things. 
But look at how he played, how he would just let it rip. Now, I tend to agree. I've seen people say he's he's not pulling the trigger. He, I, I do think he sees the field. I think I think he's going through his progressions. You can see it. You can see his eyes moving, but he doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't throw with anticipation. We've seen that many, many, many times. NFL Open and College Open are two totally different things. You have to throw those guys open. You have to you have to assume those guys are going to be ready for you to deliver the ball. These receivers and tight ends, they're going on their route. You don't have to wait until they've turned their head. Throw it. Throw it to where they're supposed to be. These guys will make a play for you. That's what they do. That is their job. And we're starting to see, or excuse me, we haven't really seen that much from him as of now. It's starting to get better. I will say that I've seen it improve, but it's not there yet. Now, before I go on with anything else, let's talk about the draft. And let's talk about what happens if we get the number one overall pick. Assuming that we get the number one overall pick, which unless Carolina wins out, or excuse me, loses out for the most part, and they, you know, they're three and fourteen or two and fifteen, they they may not even have the number one pick. So let's assume, let's just assume that we have the number one pick and that you want to draft Caleb Williams. How many other positions of need are you not fulfilling there now? So you 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 take him when you already at least have a quarterback who is showing that he can do things. You're starting all the way over with a guy whose weaknesses in college are the same weaknesses we saw with Justin in college. Well, that's debatable. It it is to a point, but there are a lot of things. There are a lot of similarities in their game and at least their college tape. So let's face reality now. Assume that they don't get the number one pick. The only way, and I don't, I, I don't see any, there's no scenario where I see them taking Caleb Williams if they don't have the number one pick. Because now you have to trade assets to get that number one pick back and move back into the number one spot. I, I don't see Poles doing that. He's got two first-round picks. That's two premier players that he can get right there. We need help in the trenches on both sides of the ball. There are two very, very good left tackles who are bookend players, probably potential pro bowlers for several years to come in all in Fashanu. And then you have players on the defensive side of the ball. We have, There's some good pass rush here. There's a really great free technique for Illinois, and I know Aldo's very big on him. We've talked yeah. about this before. But there's just there's so many needs on this roster still that where they need elite players. And I just I, there there's not a situation in my mind where you go and take Caleb Williams when you still have this many holes on the roster and expect everything to just flip script right there as if Justin is the only problem on this roster. And as we've seen over the course of the season, there's a lot of coaching fault here. There's a lot of coaching fall, and it's not just Getsy. Eberflus has made some very questionable decisions in games as far as what to do with timeouts, what play to use at the end of a half, things like that, just this last week. Like, I, I'm not really sure his clock management skills are very good. There's so many things to point to, and I feel like the first thing everybody does is immediately point the finger and say it's Justin Fields. And I think the coaching staff is starting to do that too. Like, we could possibly see, like, hey, Tyson ran my offense and we had success. Justin can't do that. And so when it comes down to the end of the season, it's time for hirings, firings, and moving on from players. 
Justice is going to be the scapegoat. And they're going to say, well, we made it work with the other guy. You know, don't fire me. It's not my fault. So I, I just think that it's, it's, it's very easy to just point the finger at one guy and say it's Fields. But I think if you look at, at the totality of it, Fields has actually been one of the best players on this roster over the last two years. Well, let, let me just preface this, first of all, by saying if you have the number one overall pick, if they do end up getting the number one overall pick, it is going to be awfully, awfully hard to pass on Caleb Williams. That being said, as Bears fans, in my opinion, we sh- our goal should not be to end up with the number one overall pick and get Caleb Williams, even if he may end up being that kind of player. Our goal should be for Justin Fields to reach his potential so that we can, as you mentioned, use those other spots, use those other high draft picks on the other premium positions of need that we desperately have, or other premium positions that we still need, like defensive line, defensive end in particular, edge rusher. Uh, You can make a case that we still could use some more interior pass rush. So maybe a guy like Newton could be good to get in there. Um, And again, there's, there's so many other needs still outside that maybe Braxton Jones isn't the answer. I hope he is. He may very well be. But again, there's two, like you said, two really, really good tackle prospects at the top of this draft and Alton Fasanu, who could be available there. So, you know, in my opinion, our goal and our desire should be for fields to reach his full potential. And and there was a comment on the screen just now I want to go back to about um, someone mentioned that we'll see what happens when defenses start to come up and play that intermediate pass game on Bajent, how he's able to respond to that. And I'll, I'll rebuttal that one of two ways. Number one, we're going to see, I agree with you, we're going to see if he can get the ball down the field for one. That's going to be the number one thing, if he's able to actually do that. And number two, they're going to have to be able to run the football effectively if they do that. If, if they're going to start taking away that intermediate pass game, the Bears better be able to run the football game, run the football effectively. Or, and or, get the ball down the field, which, you know, may or may not be able to do with Bajan. I'm not sure yet, because we haven't seen it. He threw the one duck ball interception in the first game. And last week, he didn't throw a single pass down the field. Everything was pretty much dink and dunk, which all looked good. He played really, really well. It just, you know, we didn't see that kind of that kind of arm talent that, you know, the, the downfield arm talent anyways that we really are going to want to see. You really need to have in this, this day and age in the game. Yes, for sure. You have to. You have to. And I, I people – make the it's crazy all the comparisons we're already hearing but i'm already hearing drew Brees comparisons with tyson beja and people talk about well size and he, he Brees didn't quite have the arm strength uh the arm talent from what i've seen from Bajan so far drew Brees had a stronger arm than Bajan does so far already it i it, i don't for one that's not a fair comparison to the kid you're talking about a hall of famer one of the greatest to ever play the position but I'm going to interrupt you real quick because Ravi makes a good point there. Getsy wants someone to use his system is what yes. he said. That yes. You know what? I, he very well could. That may be what's going on there. Maybe he wants someone who's able to run his offense the way he wants it to run. And, you know, honestly, there's some parts of that offense that we've seen from Justin that he struggled with. You know, mm-hmm. again, with the intermediate pass game, the nuances, the footwork, some of those different things have been a struggle for him. But, again, I'm going to keep going back to this because, you know, this stuff doesn't grow on trees, guys. The things he is able to do on the football field with his legs, with his arm talent, getting the ball down the field, with his accuracy down the field, 
with his with his ability to scramble and evade the rush and throw on the run. Those things are not common. And if you can mold this kid into being even half of, you know, that kind of prototype passer that you, that that is wanted, the Bears can be really, really, really good with him. Really good. He's shown to be the best player on the field even without that stuff. And then in the couple games against, you know, admittedly poor defenses, when he threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns, he's shown that he can do it with his arm too. It's just a matter, a matter of whether we can see it done consistently. And I really hope we can, but we got to give him that opportunity. I'm seeing a lot of comments here on, on Getze and, and I don't disagree. And I agree with what you're saying. Getze probably does want somebody that can run his system, but maybe your system doesn't work. And here's the, here's the thing. Luke Getze was hired and I'm seeing a comment on here. Why hire Getze then? Getze was hired because he ran that Shanahan offense and that Shanahan offense was what gave Eberflus's defense the most trouble over the years. The problem with it is, we're seeing a shell of a Shanahan offense. Getze's offense is not the Shanahan offense. Getze's offense is the Aaron Rodgers offense. He is trying to get Justin to play like Aaron Rodgers. They are not the same player. Take out the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer and has a Hall of Fame career. Take that away. They're not the same player. Their, their strengths are not the same. And what drives me the most crazy about all of this even if you want to run your scheme and you want to run your system, that's fine. You want him to improve on his weaknesses. I 100% agree. He does need to improve on those weaknesses. However, what is the strength of this offense? The number one strength is the running game. We have our offensive linemen, their strength, run blocking. Our running backs, are. we have a very good room of running backs. And it doesn't matter who they seem to put in there. They seem to get chunk yards and run all over the field when you actually tote the rock and stick with it consistently. And I think a lot of times when we're struggling as an offense, probably every time we struggle as an offense, is because we don't get the running game going from the start. And what does that help with? The play action game, one of Justin Fields' strengths, throwing the ball down the field. That has always been a strength of his. And if we would run more play action, we would see a lot more of those deep shots connect and we would be able to take more deep shots. And it all starts with establishing the running game. Get the running game going, run play action, you'll get your deep shots, and you can also mix in your intermediate game there. You know, you have to keep defenses guessing. But this is I, what I will, drives me insane. I will say I agree with you on that front is on that one front is that uh and really lately it's been better, but we do the, the offense does need to do a better job of establishing the run. They need to commit more to the run. You know, um, it, it's just a matter of that when they start to get away from it and you can see fields on the field when his confidence starts to dwindle. And that's when you start to see a different quarterback. When you see a confident quarterback and fields on the, on the field, he plays extremely well and he can, he throws the ball. Well, he does everything well. So to me, I mean, part of it is really establishing a rhythm on offense that he's number one comfortable with a game plan that he's comfortable with. And then you got to keep going with that rhythm on offense throughout the game to keep him comfortable. And part of that is, again, is establishing and committing to that run game, which they're pretty good at when they do, when they actually commit to it, they run the offense or they, they run the ball pretty well. And they're able to, you know, run the play action, get the ball down the field. And he's good at that. Fields is good at getting the ball down the field in those situations, you know? So 
I really do feel like that's a big part of it, you know, and getting him moving. He's even said, he's been on the record saying, I like running around and getting moving. It gets me acclimating, getting ready for the game, you know? So I think he really likes to get running right off the bat early in the game, maybe have a little quarterback run or getting on the rollout, like, uh, like a bootleg or something and, you know, getting himself moving right off the bat to establish his, his, you know, his body moving for the game to kind of get into rhythm, I guess, you know, maybe that's what he wants and he's, and he feels comfortable doing it. I feel like, like I said, if they if they get the run game going more, if they if they can commit more to his strengths, and and I've actually had a conversation about you about this with you in the past, as far as it, to me, it makes more sense to to run an offense and have a game plan that caters to his strengths, and then you start to sprinkle in throughout the games, you know, those comp those concepts that he struggles with. You know, the areas where you want him to get better at that are part important part of your offense, you know, the intermediate passing game and things like that, you know. And, and if you do that, sprinkle that in more and more as he gets better at it throughout the season, then I think you're going to see a more confident passer in those areas, you know. So, I, to me, it's, again, it just all depends on what happens here. I don't think there's any reason for him to – there's no reason that they would ever have to trade him. I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, he hasn't had, he, he, he's had 33 starts, but he still, I mean, you got to remember the first year was under a totally different system with a different, a different regime. So things are totally different from that, that standpoint for one. And again, he's, he's doing, he's running a different offense now than he was then. And he's getting used to newer weapons again. And now he's hurt again. So it's like these different things all play a factor here and, I still believe in the kid, and I really think that, you know, if he gets more and more time and they start to, you know, have more of the offense catered towards him, they play more like they did offensively, like they did against Washington, like they did uh, this past week, you know, because I feel like, you know, Fields could have beat Vegas too. He would have played just as well, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't feel like you know, there was anything that, you know, they were doing defensively that gave me any reason to believe that he would have struggled against them. So you know, that's going to develop his confidence too. You know, I don't think it's time. My point is, is you can't just decide to move on now. It's still way too early to decide that you can't trade him. Now he's not going to have any kind of value. You, you keep starting him the rest of the year. And if by the end of the season, he doesn't show that improvement and you have a high draft pick, then you move on. So I'm seeing a lot of comments here about how fields has had enough time. I want to go back. When Getsy and Eberflus were hired and Ryan Poles was hired, that was a fresh beginning right there. Fields was a rookie from that point on. That was to them, that was the year he basically he assuming he was drafted and brought in there. That's 23 games ago. 24, excuse me, 24 games ago. So if you're going on how he's had this much time, in all reality, since they've been hired, Justin's played just over 20 games. So he's actually only had 20 games of offense. So you can't necessarily say that he's had all the time in the world because they're not looking at the past. They're wiping the Nagy era out of out of the record like it didn't exist for Justin. So it's not that he's had all this time because they're only basing it on the time that they've had with him together. And in that time, it's just been just over 20 starts for Justin. And if you look at where he started – to where he is now, you can't say there hasn't been growth. You can't say that he has not improved. 
there are so many things in his game that have that have grown in that amount of time. Yes, there are still plenty of things that he needs to work on. But what quarterback in the NFL right now, outside of the top two or three, are polished all the way around? Let me give you an example. Who is one of the best three quarterbacks in all of football of the last three years? Joe Burrow. And what is going on right now? It is not good in Cincinnati. He has not played well. He got his massive deal. You're telling me that he's a finished product or he's not a finished product and he doesn't have room for growth, but Fields can't. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Now, Fields hasn't taken the Bears to the Super Bowl. Fields has not been a perennial playoff quarterback. I get all that. But if we're talking growth as a player and how he plays the position, you can't players are going to have highs and lows. That's part of the game. Quarterbacks can have bad games. And you can't put all of that on him when the game planning is not prepared for that. Well, again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. If they do, in fact, end up with the number one overall pick, it is going to be awfully, awfully hard to pass up Caleb Williams. He's, an, he's just a very, he's going to be a very, very good player. But that being said, I mean, you, like I said, you're not going to move on from Justin right now by the trade deadline. You're not just, just going to commit the badging after two starts. It's not going to happen. So, you give Fields the rest of the year. You see if he can continue to improve. Now, the problem is if he shows enough improvement by the end of the year, but not enough improvement by the end of the year, if that makes sense, where he's still kind of in this middle ground where, well, we have the number one overall pick, but Justin has made some strides, but we don't really know if he is the franchise guy. Well, to me, in that case, then you probably do try to trade him. Because you still have the one year under his belt, and then they, the other team will have his fifth-year option still also. So then you probably do trade him in the offseason if it's to the point where you have the number one pick and you don't know if he's your guy or not. Then, unfortunately, yeah, if he, walk, if he walks out the door and you see him have success somewhere else, it sucks. But it's like, you know, you, at that point, you can't just, you know, hang on to him then. You have to, you have to take the guy at the top of the draft. You know, he's, he's, the, he's the best quarterback in the, in the draft for a reason. You know, there's a lot of people saying what they're saying about him for a reason. So, and yeah, I agree with what you, got, what you guys are saying in the comments there too. Poles is not going to go down swinging with somebody else's quarterback. Now, that being said, if you guys tell me, if he, turn, if he starts to continue to turn around and, and, that, and that last game was kind of a blur and he shows more of what he showed in the Washington game and the game before that, and I, I don't know why I keep forgetting who they played in the game before that. But yeah, Denver, I'm sorry. If he, if he continues to show the improvement that he showed in those games and the passing ability in those games and he's showing that throughout the course of the season and growing and growing, he throws for 3,500 to 4,000 yards. He throws for 30 touchdowns. You know, then you, we got an argument here, guys. We have a conversation here we, we got to have, you know. I mean, and you'd be lying to yourselves if you said there's not one. Even if it's not Paul's guy, if he's doing those things, which, again, that's a long shot to say at this point, but if he does do that, that's a conversation. And that's a good point that Alexis brings up there, too. Yeah. If Justin and Badgett help get this team some wins, does the coaching staff stay? Well, I think it just depends on how many wins we're talking about here. I mean, if they if they're flirting with anywhere under five wins, I think it's going to be awfully, awfully hard to convince anybody that this coaching staff is the, the one that needs to stick around. But if they put if they mess around and get somewhere between eight, nine wins, something like that, I don't know. Now we're having a discussion there, too. But if that happens, it's because Justin's turned it around, in my opinion. It's because he's turned around and he's really made it hard 
for anybody to say anybody to say I'm not the guy. So here's where I have here's where the problem lies. Assuming that we don't see enough from Justin over the rest of the season, and we go into the draft, we have the number one pick. Who is to say that Caleb Williams is even going to be what everyone thinks he is? Everyone acts like he's the greatest thing that's come out since Andrew Luck, and he very well may be, but no one knows that. And that's what you know what Justin is now. You know what he already is and what the potential for growth is. At the very least, you know where the floor is at, and the floor is a mid-level to great quarterback. Not elite, but mid-level to great. And the ceiling is elite. You don't know what you're going to get from Caleb Williams. And that's assuming that they don't look at Drake May and say, hey, I like this kid better. We, you just don't know. So, we don't know where I, he's I'm going to interrupt you for a second because there was two comments that were just up on the screen that I honestly agree with both of them. And they're very, very different, um, very, very different realms here. So the first one was Alexis mentioned that Poles took the job knowing that Fields is the quarterback did not know he was going to have two first-round picks and were potentially top-five picks this year coming up. And he, he probably does like Fields. And I agree with that. I think that probably is true. He probably took the job. He probably evaluated him very highly when he was in Kansas City, even though they weren't looking for a quarterback. He's still a scout, still doing his job. You know, he probably had a high grade on him. Probably liked him a lot. Probably had his second-highest quarterback in the, in the draft that year, like most people did. So, yeah, he probably did like him a lot. But going back to the next point that, that Jordan makes after that, if you can get that back on the screen, thank you. Two and a half years of injuries and inconsistencies can't be outweighed by half season of productivity. I do agree with you to an extent on that. The two and a half injuries of inconsistencies are obviously going to weigh a big part of that. But I agree with Tim also going back what he said before, that number one, that first year was not with this staff and this regime. I don't know that he's going to like totally ignore that. I'm talking about polls right now, I don't know he's going to totally ignore all that. But I really don't think he's going to take that as a major part of his consideration of what to do with this kid in the future. Now, that being said, this year and a half of inconsistencies. Now, if the Bears were to say they turn around here, right, and they start to win some games, you know, and they don't, their pick isn't a top five pick, but Carolina's pick is, okay. Let's say let's go two scenarios here. Let's say let's say Carolina has the number one pick, and the Bears end up with that pick, right? Well, Fields has played really well in that in that time frame. Okay, the Bears have played really well with him. The Bears have like a top ten pick because they've rattled off some wins, but they're not a top five pick anymore. And Fields looks good. What do you do with that pick? I mean, most people are going to say you go ahead and take the quarterback, okay, and you trade Fields. Some people are going to say you move down and you try to get a haul of picks because there's going to be a ton of value for teams that want to go get Williams. Can, I, can, me I, stop you, can I stop you for a second? Look, look at the haul last year to get Bryce Young. Well, yes. And look at the talk for Caleb Williams compared to Bryce Young. Caleb Fair. Williams to most people is they think he's, he's the said. next Andrew Luck. There's two things there, though. That being said, number one, if Caleb Williams is really as good as, you know, everybody thinks he's going to be, you know, there's a reason that you have that pick and that everybody wants to go get him. And another point there, you know, is that at some point you can't just trade for all these premium picks. You got to start getting some premium guys with these picks. You know what I mean? So, again, 
to me, it's like, let, let's say the other scenario now. Let's say, okay, let's say the Bears aren't playing as well. You know, obviously, and Fields isn't playing very well, and you're not so sure, and they end up with the number one pick. You know, obviously, you're going to take Williams. Let's say they don't end up with the number one pick, though, because Carolina isn't as bad as everybody anticipates them to finish, and somebody else ends up worse, like Arizona or Denver or something like that now. So now the Bears don't even have the number one pick. What do they do now? Are you going after May? Are you moving down? Are you committing to fields? I think it all just kind of depends on how this goes. So again, we're going to go back to my previous point. You have got to let the kid finish the year and see how he does and see if there's massive improvement, see if there's not massive improvement, see if there's minimal improvement or see if there's any kind of improvement because you have to base this on what he's done at the end here. There just to me still has not been enough because we we're not at the end yet. We don't even know what they're going to have yet as far as picks. So to me, you got to let it ride out, hang on to him, because if anything, his value right now is not going to be any higher than it is in the offseason, trade-wise. There's two things I want to point out. Number one, why did the Bears pass on Jalen Carter? Character. What is something that we've already seen? Now, I'm not, I'm not putting Caleb Williams in the same stratosphere as far as we're talking about character concerns because you know there's no criminal activity to his name or anything like that but what we're seeing from him and his dad's comments about how he's not going to play for somebody because of nil money he doesn't need to and this and that does that sound like somebody who really loves the game of football and wants to yeah, play well, for I mean, whoever that to me and that, that, that may, may not like, be coming from him they're playing that, you know, that yes that's them obviously trying to work something. They're trying to work some kind of angle. I don't think that that says anything about the kid's character, or his love no. for football or anything like that. Because from all accounts, from what I understand, he's he's you know he loves the game just fine, and he's 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 you know there's a reason that people use the word generational with him. I don't like throwing that word around because you know it, to me there's only a few that are like that. I mean. To me, the best the best quarterback that I've seen in college since like Andrew Luck was Joe Burrow. And I, I remember telling you there was a game LSU was playing. Again, I can't remember who it was, but they were undefeated at the time. And they were like the top team. Everybody knew they were as good as they were, and they were probably going to win it all. And I remember just watching the kid play and saying to you, like, man, this kid, this kid's like an NFL-style quarterback here. He's the way he's got this poise and the command and the way he's throwing the football. He's going to be a really good player. And sure enough, he ended up being number one pick. But, you know, to me, a guy like Joe Burrow is generational. Now, granted, I have not watched Caleb Williams' entire career, okay, and I'm and I I I not I am not a scout or any of these things, so I can't say that you know he's not the, you know consensus number one pick and he's not going to be a great player. But I did watch him play against Notre Dame because I'm obviously a big Notre Dame fan. And pardon my French here, but Notre Dame kicked his ass in that game. He did not look good against Notre Dame at all. And I don't know if that's an indictment on him or if he just had one game, you know, everybody has a bad game. I understand that, you know, but it's like, you know, if, if, if that's something that can get into his head and he can play like that for stretches, you know, that's a concern. You know, I don't know if that's the case or not, because again, I have not watched this kid's whole career and I'm not a scout or anything like that. And there's a reason he's the top prospect and everybody's saying that about him, but you know, like just from that game alone, I didn't see generational by any stretch no so that's just my opinion and again like i said i'm not like a credential scout or anything that's just from somebody who watches football but 
you know, I, I didn't see that personally. I thought Joe Burrow was like the last guy I saw that was in that realm. So, and I, I before I say anything else, I, I wasn't assuming that his character was bad. I'm just, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical, like say it is a character concern. We've seen that they passed on Carter. What makes anybody think that they would bring this kid in if there is a character concern? And I have seen him on the sidelines. I've seen some of the way that he talks to his teammates and the coaches. And, you know, some guys can get away with that because of their play and because they're, you know, they run the offense a lot of the time, especially in college. And they have the ability to change the plays and whatnot. So it, it may not be a big deal. I, I just don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm just not sold on moving on from fields to draft this kid. There's just, I, I, there's something like, like you said, I don't see generational. I just don't. And I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback and that he may not have a great career and he very well could. But like I said before, we know what Justin's floor is and we know where the ceiling could be still that, you know, he's still improving and he's still getting better. He's still young. This is only his third season. And if you want to get technical like this, like I said, this coaching staff and this and this management staff are going to look at it and say, well, it's really only his second year. Like we don't look at that first year the same way. I'm sure they're not taking it completely out of the out of the equation, but I do think that they're not focusing on it nearly like they are these last two years. And we are seeing improvement. And I really and maybe it's not just my heart. I really do. I really I like Justin and I think that this is the guy that we should be worried about what we should be focusing on and trying to improve around him because what what have we given him up until now for an offensive line and let's be fair even though these guys have played well over the last few weeks he's not they're, they're no, was, we're not a consistent combination let me laugh oh i just read that that's funny they did <laughs> i see the resemblance torian that's pretty funny yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a big Willem Dafoe fan. Boondock Saints is one of my all-time favorite anyway, movies. We're we're kind of running low on time here, so I kind I'll just kind of start to wrap this up a little bit. But you know, I, I I agree with a couple of the previous commenters. You know, it does kind of seem like time is running out for Justin here in Chicago. I really hope that's not the case. I I, I really love the kid. I really like him a lot. I think his potential is so high, and I do still think that it can be unlocked. It's just a matter of, I really feel like, unfortunately, is with with Getsy, it's like a matter of, there's sometimes you watch him as play design, you're like, oh man, I really like that. That's a really nice play design there. And other times you're just like, why are we doing this right now? Why are we not playing to our guy's strengths? Why are, why are we running this stuff over and over and over again? You know, there was a smash concept that he kept running that last game. I, I think he ran it like three or four times. And it's just like, you know, you keep going back to that and they're all over it by the fourth time, you know? So to me, part of it is because you're, they're not doing the best to mold towards the kid's strengths, but also, you know, he, he's got to take some accountability too, obviously, because he's not there either. So, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of fault everywhere. I do love the kid. I still hope he gets it together again. He's got to the end of the year, in my opinion, he's not going to have any more trade value right now than he would have, you know, in the off season. So let him finish the year out. Let's hope He's the guy. He can get it together and he can show that he's he's, you know, the guy we need so we can address the other needs with those high draft picks. Um I want go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. I was just gonna I want to point out one thing really quick. Alexis made a comment on here saying look at the risk um and moving on from fields. What what's the risk if it doesn't work out? 
and Jordan made a good point back and said, you know, how does that risk hurt polls? But it does because if polls decides to walk away from fields and picks Williams and we are going through the exact same thing we're already going through now, polls is going to be out the door because well, now we got to pick his quarterback and he failed. Before you go on, think about it from this perspective. It's like, okay, so polls gets here the first couple of years, right? His first two years, he's got fields. He's, he's got him tied to him. Right. And that was basically by choice. He, he you know, it would have been a, stupid to get rid of him obviously because he was on his rookie deal, but it's like, and, and he's, you know, you got to see what he's got. But again, He's got the kid right now. So let's say he decides to move on, you know, and in two years, you know, you know, now we see that they've drafted Caleb Williams or whoever, and it's not working with this guy either. So it's like now four years down the road, five years into polls as tenure. Yeah. It kind of does look back on him because now he's decided that he didn't want to build enough around Justin. And they didn't want to work the offense enough around Justin to have success to the point where now, they lost enough games because of the personnel, because of the offense, whatever it may be, to where now Poles is going to lose his job because they didn't have success. Yeah. I, I, just, I just don't think you – it's going to look bad on Poles if he does this. It, it's going to look bad on him in multiple ways. If, he's, if he decides to stick it out with Justin and it doesn't work out, then it's like, well, you had a chance to take a quarterback and you didn't. But, again, with the ceiling that he's got and the floor that he's got, at least you know what you have. If he goes on and takes Williams and Williams ends up not working out or we're right back in the same place we are now, now it's going to look bad on him and he's going to get fired because he took, he had the chance to pick his quarterback and this is what he chose. It's like, you just, you made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. And you know, a lot of it, people talk about coaching and like who's gets he calling the plays and everything like that. And yes, I agree. I think that that has a lot to do with field success and lack of success is the game plan that goes into the game certain weeks, like the game plan we saw against Denver and against Washington, totally different from the game plan that we saw against Minnesota. So, you know, and I've read a funny comment on here, what OC is out there because the enemy looks like crap. Well, the enemy is not an offensive coordinator. He wasn't an offensive coordinator in Kansas city. He may have had that title, but look at who held the play sheet every game and made every call of every play. When the enemy was the OC out there, it was Andy Reid. It wasn't the enemy. And there's probably a reason why this guy got multiple interviews and was never hired for any job. You know, I just, I, that's probably why he's not having a whole lot of successes because he didn't have really get a lot of time or to call plays because he didn't get a chance to do that in Kansas city. Well, I don't, I don't want to get off into that, but I, I do want to make one more point, you know, before we kind of get out of here. And if there's any more, if there's any questions that anybody has too, I want to get to those, but the, the point I want to make is still, you know, it's still early. It's only, you know, week eight, right? You know, yeah, it's week eight. We've played seven games. So, you know, let's say, you know, the Bears win some more games. Let's say Carolina wins some games. We don't even know that the Bears are going to end up with the top pick in the draft. We have no idea. And if they don't, you know, have the number one pick, then this Caleb Williams thing isn't even a discussion for the Bears anymore. It's like totally not a discussion. So, you know, which... Let's be honest right now. If you're Arizona, if you're Denver, if you're one of these other teams that – and Denver, you can make an argument whether or not they think they have their quarterback or not with Wilson. But, you know, if you're one of these teams, you know, and you have a chance to get the number one pick in Caleb Williams and your team's not very good, at the end of the season, are you going to be trying to win too many games? I mean, really? So, we, like I said, we don't know even – 
if the Bears are going to have the number one pick. And if they don't, this isn't even a discussion. It's not even a discussion. So whether, I mean, it's, they still might be in a discussion for a quarterback, but it ain't going to be Caleb Williams. So like, that's where you really have to talk then is like whether another quarterback is worth it as opposed to another guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, you know, like a premier edge rusher or something like that, you know? So again, to me, and I agree with Alexis, Denver and Cardinals will probably be in tank mode. So there you are. <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about, you know, most likely not even getting the top pick in the draft if one of those two finishes number one. So you're not getting it if one of those two does. So that's kind of where I want to leave it with that part. Uh, we're, we're, we're still way early in this process. But again, as Bears fans, in my opinion, we should be hoping and our, our, our goal should be that Fields turns this thing around this season. He starts to show more and more progression like he did in the Washington game and like he did in the Denver game. And he can put together like a two-minute drive at the end to win a football game. That's what I would love to see from him. That would really show a lot for, to me from him. Um, so before I before we close it out here, are there, are there any questions from any of, the, any of the commenters that were up in the chat that we might have missed somewhere that we, we can answer before we get out of here? Why did, here's one from James. Why doesn't JF1 get rid of the ball quicker? That's a good question, James. So I feel like there's a couple reasons for that. And to, to me, the main, the number one thing is that he's always looking to get the ball down the field. That's to me, the number one thing he's looking to get the ball down the field first and foremost. The second reason for that is because I feel like sometimes his vision and his footwork get out of whack with each other and they really need to be tied together. I feel like sometimes you can see his eyes moving and they're like on the open receiver. And it's like, why is he not throwing that there? Why is he not hitting that guy? And I think it's because he's already starting to move on towards his next progression before that starts to open up. And he never really has thrown with great anticipation. So that's a part of it too. It's like, is he ever going to be able to throw with that kind of anticipation? I think at this point in his career, it, it's pretty safe to say he's never going to be like a high level anticipatory passer. But that doesn't mean that he can't be a high-level quarterback. And does that mean he can get the ball out faster? Yes. And another part of it too, James, I think is because his arm, his arm angle, his arm motion is still pretty elongated. And I think part of it's because he's a baseball player growing up, shortstop, you know, had that long whipping out arm motion, you know, but it allows him to make those sidearm throws and create those weird angles with this arm too, to make some throws that other guys can't make. So there's there's given there, there's give and take to this stuff. But that's a great question. I'll take this one. One more. I was reading this one. Do you guys think Foreman is running back one can work? I think there's a lot of running backs that could be running back one in this offense and it would work. The offensive line is dominant in the run game. And there's one name I want to mention that if he's out there, I think there's most NFL running backs can be running back one in this offense. And that's Tevin Jenkins. The guy is a monster. When he is playing it's a totally different offensive line and he just moves the whole pile. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think Deontay Foreman is, is on the level of Herbert or of Roshan Johnson. There's a reason that those guys are ahead of him on the depth chart. But as far as like, he's a great bruiser, this guy will plow through the line for you and he, he gets hard, hard, tough yards. I do really like how Deontay Foreman plays, but yes, I do think he could suffice as running back one, at least while Herbert, and if Johnson is back this week, I still think that Deontay could be the number one because of how good this offensive line is in the run game. I I, I want to jump in on that question too a little bit because I want to make a comment on that also. Um, you know, I, I think it was very impressive what he did, you know, last week. I think he played really well. 
Uh, going back to that, though, I will say one thing. There's a reason that he's played on the amount of teams that he has in the past several years, and he's bounced around as much as he has. And it's not because he's not a good runner, and we can see that. We very clearly can see that. He had 900 yards last year in Carolina. You know, He's clearly a good runner. But it's the other areas in the game that he kind of struggles with a little bit. He's not the best pass catcher. Uh, he's been exposed in pass blocking we've seen in a couple of games this year. So, I mean, to, and I don't think it's not because he's necessarily a willing guy, but he's just, it's, he's not very good at it. He's a good runner. He's a solid runner. Um, I think Herbert has shown major, major improvement in pass blocking. Um, mm-hmm. To me, when he is healthy, he's got the best vision of any back on this roster, and he should be the, the quote-unquote number one guy to me. Um, Herbert, anyways, especially with the improvements he's made in pass blocking. Um, but Roshan, to me, is is still very capable of being a short yardage guy, a very, very, very good pass blocker. He's probably the best pass blocker on the team. So he's going to get a lot of run on third down. And so Foreman, that's kind of like, to me, he's been the odd man out a couple of weeks now is because these other guys do things well, too, that he does well, like running, pass blocking, which is th- something they do better at than he does, catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think he is capable of being the number one back. Yes, Ravi, I'll say that. He's capable of, and part of it's because, like Tim said, the offensive line is capable of being dominant. Uh, and I want to make a point here about Tevin Jenkins, like he said, too, that I wrote down earlier I wanted to share with you guys. Um, you know, in the Washington game, which was his first game back, by the way, they ran almost exclusively behind him in the running game. And that's a shout-out to I'm Bearing Down on Twitter, by the way. You guys should follow him. He's a very good follow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're running the ball behind that guy exclusively in the run game, that says something, you know, and he's obviously, he makes a big difference there. And if if they can finally get all five of their guys together and healthy, I kind of agree with Tim. There's a lot of guys that could be a number one back in this system. And I think Herbert, when he's healthy and this offensive line is together, is going to show you guys that too some more as he already has a little bit this year. Mm -hmm. Great question though. Yeah. So, Jeff, we've kind of gone over here, but I want to ask you one thing before we close here. What's your prediction for Sunday? Uh, you guys are going to find this out about me. I hate making predictions because I'm always wrong. But um, <laughs> I- I'll say this uh, I- I, without making an actual prediction, because I, like I said, I don't like doing that. This is what I will say. Um, I I think the Chargers are absolutely going to challenge the intermediate routes. They're not going to let bad just pick them apart inside like that. They're going to press a lot. In my opinion, the Bears are going to have an opportunity to run the ball effectively, and I'm going to be very upset if they don't commit to it because I think they can run the ball against this team. Khalil Mack is a good run defender, and I think they're going to have to run the ball away from him. But if they can establish the run in this game, I think it's going to help badge him out a lot because, again, I'm not convinced he can get the ball down the field. If he can, great. That's a great problem to have. But I do feel like they're going to need to get the ball into the playmaker's hands, and the defense is going to have to slow down the offense because that offense is still pretty good, regardless of how bad you know the charges have been this year. I'm not going to give a final score prediction because I think this game is going to go in a direction that I really don't want to say out loud because I, I, it's going to pain me to say it. But You have Justin um, Herbert on the fantasy team. That's the only reason you say that. Hey, you know what? Yeah. Well, listen, listen, before I say before I say anything about this game too, though, let's you know, with Herbert, there may not be a quarterback in the NFL who has more arm talent than him. There is not a throw that he cannot make. He can make every throw that a quarterback needs to make, every one of them. And that he, his arm talent is unreal. And for whatever reason, they just can't seem to put it all together. But you know, about this game, to, my prediction is 
yes, I think they're going to challenge the intermediate game. I do think that uh, Staley is good enough of a defensive mind to know, like, you, I got to get away from uh, my scheme a little bit and, and bring guys into the into the box more and shut off that short passing game. But I do think that the, the we're still going to gash that defense a little bit, especially in the secondary. Derwin James can't cover everybody. I, I just think that DJ Moore is going to be a lot for them to handle, and I think Bajan's going to find him on some on some uh, open running running room plays. And uh, I just think defensively, for whatever reason, Herbert's struggling with that broken finger, even though it's on his left hand. He's he's really struggling to grip the ball and. and it's just it's not working out for them very well right now and i think the defense is going to challenge that a little bit um not having mike williams means that they can probably focus in more on uh um oh my gosh Kellen, uh, yeah the other guy <laughs> the other receiver there so um i just think it's going to really help them out defensively to be able to focus in on one guy a little more than they would have to normally and I think I think I think we're going to get a sack in this game early. Um, I just think that if and if we can do that, we can really start putting pressure on him and and make him throw some inherent throws and maybe get some turnovers in this game too. How about this for the debut episode? I will make one prediction, and it's because it's a it's a very mild prediction, and I don't think I it'll come back to backfire me in any way. So my prediction will be Gervon Dexter. Gervon Dexter finally gets. His his sack that he's been waiting for with those seven nine pressures whatever it is last couple weeks now he's gonna finally get home and get himself a sack this week. There's my prediction. I like that. That's a good one. I'm I'm gonna say my bold prediction is T.J. Edwards forces a fumble. Oh, that's a good one too. There's I actually. I, I like that. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of the peanut punch out of him. I think he's going to get one. Yeah, it's I like fine. you know that's one thing I want to close it with too is I will say we've we've heard a lot of we've heard a lot of um, criticism about the big highly paid linebacker play, you yeah. know, and how Edmonds and Edwards have not done a ton. But I'll tell you what, the last couple of weeks they've turned it up, especially Edmonds. I love the way they're mm -hmm. starting to play. They're they're all yep. over the field. They're making plays on the ball. Finally, I love it. Love to see it, and it's important for this defense. Hey, and you paid less than what you would have paid for one player. You got out of two really good linebackers. Well, there, I think you could still make an argument that Roquan's been such a good player that yes. they probably should have just paid him and hung on to him. But yes, a conversation for another day. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if we if we have any more questions before we get out of here. We'll see if we can address them. I think we're good. Well, let's let's just say at the end here. I, I appreciate everybody for for showing up tonight. It's, I feel like it's been a great debut episode. We've had some great questions that came in, some great opinions and comments. Um, I feel like it was a spirited debate in here, and everybody made some good points. So again, I appreciate everybody joining in. We'll be back next Friday, same time, six Central, four Pacific. That's since I'm on the uh, West Coast here. Tim's on the uh, in Indiana, so it'll be seven o'clock Eastern time next week. Uh, we'll, we'll have a, 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 a little bit longer of an intro probably next week and I'll have a new computer that's being sent in. So maybe my graphics will be a little bit better too. So, um, yeah, we should have a guest next week also. So hopefully we'll get all that squared away and we'll have a great show for you guys next week. Appreciate you stepping in. Thanks guys. Go Irish tomorrow. Go Irish and go bears. Bear down.